Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello. Welcome to Agora Communities Conversation With. We have um, today a guest who is not completely unfamiliar to some of you. If you were around during the 24-hour Ultimate stream, it was a little later at night. It was pretty chill. Uh, Jacob, our very own Jacob, sat down with an old friend of his uh, named Tomas Jek, and um, they go way back. Um, and um, what's in, what's interesting is uh, the the that what he's been doing for the last little while is kind of producing uh, and independently producing a game that he's developing with, uh, with his partner. And so he came on, they kind of got caught up and then they just took, took a look at the game together and um, just sort of, you know, just played it and reacted to it. And, um, and uh, the people in chat at the time were pretty excited because it's really an interesting game. That's clearly in my mind, at least clearly something that's made, by someone who really understands characters because there's a lot of really interesting characterization in this game, really fresh take on, um, on a classic genre. And, um, anyways, I mean, it was a really great conversation and we decided to bring him back and, um, kind of pick his brain because something kind of crazy happened. GDC happened and it was uh, live for the first time in many years because of the pandemic. And, um, I thought we, you know, we all thought it would be pretty interesting to kind of pick his brain to see what, uh, what that was like, um, as a sort of, um, one of the next big milestones in his journey on getting this thing done and released. So I'll bring on Jacob and then we'll bring in uh, Tomas and we'll get this party started. Jacob. Hello. Greetings. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? We haven't done one in a while, you and me. Are you? Yeah, well, Tomas and you go way back. Um, remind me again exactly mm-hmm. that was in school, right? Yes, uh, in college. So that would be 15 years ago. Wow. And, and longer. So yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, that and we've you, known each other and worked together. And ironically, the two of you actually did a challenge somewhat similar to the Ultimate Animation Challenge together, probably about fifteen years ago. So it seemed fitting that there was That's a right. little reunion happening on stream during mm-hmm. an Ultimate Challenge, where you got to kind of reminisce about the good old days and um, take a look at his game. Absolutely, did the yeah. two of us and uh, one of our other good friends did a three-person animation challenge in two thousand seven. Right three persons that's uh but it was it was more how long was it i remember i'm trying to remember i remember the, the details 32 was hours it, straight 32 okay wow yes so 24 hours wasn't hardcore enough that'd go for a full 32 <laughs> that's when right. you know you're made of something like like metal um another quick um another quick uh you know tribute to our guest today is that um he's probably one of the at least the only only but only animator i know who's ever done a ted talk Another That's right. He would be quick fact. to correct you that it's a TEDx talk. Oh, but they're the same to me. Yeah. That would be his modesty talking, but yes, okay. Yes. Granted, granted, that is true. Okay, let's we bring him on so he can. That when we bring him in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> TED, what is what is the difference between TEDx and TED? Is it just TEDx is like a an affiliate or something like that, or maybe he'll tell us? Ask him. Okay, let's do it. Tomas, TEDx welcome to the show. Talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> he was yelling at the screen. 
And now he's now he's here yelling at us. Uh, so what's the difference between TED and TEDx exactly? Uh, so TED is like the huge official, like <clears throat> I think once a year conference. Right. TEDx like is I I don't know that much about the difference, but I just know yeah, that yeah. TEDx happens like in many places independently like, at many yeah. locations over over like lots of times during the year, and a lot of those do end up on like the TED site and all that. Got stuff. it. But okay, and, and you know it's it, it is an achievement, but it's like I guess mm. a whole different thing to literally be at the TED convention. So that's why I wow. correct people. Can you share a bit about what your TEDx talk was about? Sure. Mm. Uh, it's uh <laughs> coming up on a decade old now so uh if, if doing a spit take when you said 15 years wasn't enough um <laughs> buckle up i'm going on a road trip uh, no yeah, so yeah i did a i did a talk called being insecure which was mm. uh uh basically about uh you know it's a little 15 minute talk about my journey through some larger you know triple a studios <laughs> at the time and uh and basically how that felt like from a insecurity standpoint, imposter syndrome standpoint, and like, uh, and what that was like kind of an, a, as an emotional journey. I, I feel like I, I like to talk about that kind of stuff a lot because I'm like very, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of all, I feel always scared of everything. And so <laughs> I feel like uh, a lot of the, when I was in school and and uh, I think Jacob, you you'll probably remember this, but like there was this vibe of like, kind of always feeling like, like oh I, I love animation animation is the greatest thing ever i can't mm. wait till i'm animating all the time don't you love animation i love animation mm. and it's like and there it was really really like very mm. infrequently did people and, and even professionals from my standpoint and it's not like i had a huge viewpoint but i was like it just seemed like nobody was saying but also i I kind of hate animating a lot of times, you know, like, <laughs> so funny. like it's incredibly grueling yeah. and, and right. I feel like I'm constant, like actually my 99% of my experience is making things that I'm not ex like not proud of and like, yeah. how do I get better at it? Mm -hmm. um, but then you turn around and go like, this is the best. I love learning <laughs> to animate, you know? And so yeah. it felt like there was this um, kind of positivity uh, veil over because you were too scared to say like, admitting that you like were miserable sometimes yeah. animating seemed to be like an admission that you weren't cut out for animation. Right. And so it was taboo somehow. Yeah. And so like that, I really struggled with that. And obviously like going to like going straight from uh, Bowling Green, Ohio to like Pixar and then Bungie and stuff like that. I it was only intensifying that kind of like, I need to hide the fact that I feel like I'm really, really struggling. And that only hurt my career. That only hurt my ability to grow. So um, eventually I started doing these talks and and it was like, you know, as many of these things are, it felt good to say it to people and have people react positively because that mm. kind of validated me. So yeah. I was like, oh, if, the, if there's an audience of people going, yeah, then I'm like, oh, okay. So like, there is something resonant here. I'm not just, I'm not actually not cut out for this. It's just like, it's a, we're all going through a similar problem. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of almost cathartic for you to actually go yes. on stage and talk about something that's that's not ever talked about because you're not supposed to talk about Bruno, I guess, basically, right? Like it's <laughs> it's funny because I guess it's true though, right? Because a lot of people, especially back in school, I remember the same thing. Everyone's drinking the Kool Aid, and it was just like they spent all their time sort of. Uh, it was almost like social media, you know, Instagram mm -hmm. and Facebook posts. It shows only the positive side of everyone's life, mm -hmm. and very rarely do people become vulnerable and be like, "By the way, I'm really going through something," and it kind of sucks sometimes. It's yeah. like it's not often the case it's usually which actually kind of 
reinforces that doubt that you have because right. you're kind of thinking, what the freaking hell? Like, am I really not cut out for this? Because I mean, I don't look like that person. I'm not excited every day about animation. Right. And so it really reinforces what you're already thinking, which is doubt. Yeah. What a great talk that needs to be recycled um, on a regular basis because I feel like it comes up <laughs> all the time in these streams. The idea of imposter syndrome and just being genuinely just doubtful of your own abilities is a mm -hmm. just it is something we all share, all of us as a community. I don't think I've met an animator once now so far in these conversations who have said, oh, no, I, always, I, I feel 100 million percent confident in myself. It just it's yeah. just not the case. Yeah, very rarely have I met somebody that's just straight up like, oh, everything's cool, you know. Um, and I'm like, then you must have truly deep problems. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but uh, um, with the imposter syndrome thing too, like I think the my early experience in my career uh, at Pixar was, and, and I might have mentioned this on the last talk, I don't remember, but um, I had this kind of like the critical thing that that messed up my whole view on imposter <clears throat> syndrome is anytime there's a conversation about imposter syndrome, it's kind of like there's this assumption that it's not valid. It's like Oh, if you feel like you don't belong, that's absurd. Of course you belong, right? Um, but my my problem has always been like, yeah, but there's imposter syndrome and then there's self-awareness. Like I can't tell which is which, right? Like sometimes my worry that I'm not doing a good job might be might be right. Uh, uh, yeah. And like in the case of the Pixar internship, like uh, being the only intern at the end of that that wasn't like offered some sort of position or continuation at Pixar was like an enormous validation like oh yeah your imposter syndrome was spot on man <laughs> like and obviously they it, it was like a super amazing experience I, I don't know that my managers would totally agree with me like they were obviously like <laughs> there were very specific reasons why why they they didn't pick me which we can go into if you want to but um but it did feel emotionally at the time like oh all that worry I had was like <clears throat> culminated into this mm. validation of that worry and it's hard to shrug it off for me ever since um the way that i've kind of coped with it has been like well regard i have to like find coping mechanisms and emotional ways to deal with it that are okay with the fact that maybe it's true and for me that has <clears> been <throat> like well regardless of whether i am good enough for this role or i am the best choice or not i i am what I am what I've got and I'm, I am what they've got if they've hired me. And so I just like, it's true or it's not, I just need to do my best work. It doesn't change my decision going forward. And that's kind of helped me not worry about it as much, not let it mm. consume my brain. It's just like, well, either way, I'm either not good enough or I am. And both result in me needing to put my best work forward and just exactly right and so yeah, the results like, don't change regardless of the reality yeah, basically yeah. you're going to do your best no matter what so and actually worrying more you know yeah. results in me doing worse work totally potentially and yep. so also in both cases ask for help you know mm -hmm. get people uh, talk to people get feedback because if you're amazing then that's just going to make you more amazing and if you're not quite there then that's going to help you get there that that would be your course of action anyway and so yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at least that's for me, that has been like a helpful way to think about it as just sort of like, uh, well, either way, I, I, I'm yeah. going to do the next step, the same thing, you know? 
that's good advice for life in general. I feel like because it's like you know it's just true how 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 it's like sort of a self-proclaimed prophecy kind of spiral that you can put yourself into when you start doubting yourself, and then you're like, well, you know, I'm never gonna win, so why should I even go and compete? Why should I play mm -hmm. basketball because I'm not tall enough, anyways? Like all these things just end up happening in your head. I was projecting there, by the way. Um, and then <laughs> and then it's 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 just it, it for sure 100 is going to increase the the odds of you failing because you're mm -hmm. just taking wind out of your own sail basically jacob i think you were gonna say something oh i was gonna say since you brought it up tom uh what sorts of feedback did you receive from your internship at pixar yeah good question yeah so so what's funny is it's exactly what brent was saying was basically all of the habits that i built from being scared that i wasn't good enough seemed to manifest into the exact hmm. behaviors that were uh that that made me seem not production ready. So like I was working really late into the night and I wouldn't sleep or go home because I was like freaking out about something. I mm. frequently made changes to shots without consulting anyone because I was <laughs> like, oh, this isn't good. Like crap, this isn't going well. They're, they're gonna hate this. I scrap it and I start mm. over. And it's like these manic sort of like uh, changes that in the morning weren't validated like my, you know, my mentor would be like, why is there a change to the shot? We didn't talk about any changes. It was fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I just thought of this other thing that I thought would be better. And like, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but now you're like, I don't know how you're going to finish this on time, mm -hmm. you know? And like, now you're running the risk of not actually even completing this assignment. And in my mind, I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to stay here all night, you know? And then like, <laughs> I was actually, I stayed there. I did actually stay once all night working until the next day and i was sent home that morning because someone found out like and they were like oh well, yeah you know that's not even really allowed like yeah like you know so you have to go home now and i was like i felt so stupid like it was just a lot of those kind of behaviors which were directly from the fact that i was too scared to ask for help i was mm. too scared like i was afraid that things weren't good enough i was making judgments on my own of like oh these these other shots are better than mine so i need to do more and all that did was like scramble all my work and make me have these crazy hours which you know on no sleep you make even worse decisions <laughs> and like those doubts run even deeper and so um and so that was like the kind of feedback i ultimately got was like culminated into sort of like production readiness was like the main reason that that they didn't feel i was ready to be on a production I'm curious, your what in your mind? Because that would have been very, very interesting to get that feedback. Because mm -hmm. I think, considering your state of mind, you had two paths. <laughs> you could have gone the darker path and said it just would just allow that that feedback to crush you and to mm -hmm. to essentially confirm all these things that you've been telling yourself all this time. Or you could have chose, which I believe is obviously the the path that you chose. But maybe, but maybe it wasn't that simple. That's why I'm curious what you're going to answer this. Mm -hmm. um, or you could have chosen the well. I'm going to use this as constructive criticism, and I'm going to figure out a way of of working on myself so that I don't continue to find myself in this sort of endless loop. So, like, how did you die? How did you ingest that information coming from them? And like, did it was it immediately obvious what you needed to do to improve, or was it like a bit of a journey to get there? I mean, it was definitely a journey. Like, I think. It's, you know, rarely, <laughs> rarely do I, I I've, I've experienced this with folks I'm mentoring as well as with folks that like, uh, you know, as well as in myself, but rarely do you need to hear something only once. <laughs> um, and I feel like 
what happened with me was that was definitely a huge pivotal lesson, but it wasn't until like years later that that culminated into like what I'm hoping is the attitude I, I have now. But um, so, so I guess like, it wasn't like a branching path. It was more like column mm. A and column B. And I was like, there was definitely times where it crushed me. There were days where mm. it crushed me. And then there were days where I was like, well, I, I can pick myself up and it's good that they told me, like I can learn from yeah. those things. Right. Um, it would have been worse to just not know at all. Oh man. You know? They um, did you a huge favor probably like by yeah, being no, so earnest and so forthcoming with that yeah. feedback. Yeah. It was an incredible, an incredible gift to have that. And I think my, the, the, the thing I'm most proud of from there, and I think I've mentioned this before, but was that I, I received that feedback very graciously. Like I, mm. I had a lot of gratitude. And again, I don't know if whether that was a form of me still posturing or if it was truly like gratitude at the time, but either way, I'm glad that that was my behavior. Oh yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, um, the new, yes. the, the new and approved you definitely appreciated that. Sure. Feedback. Sure. <laughs> um, and like, uh, and, and it's hard to see, so especially, you know, when you're, in your early 20s or something it's hard to see things for like oh this will benefit me 10 years from now it's like oh, yeah. an impossibly long way away that you don't oh, yeah. even consider anymore but you'd be retired um, by then what are you even worried about that yeah, right? sure, you're sure. um and so like uh and so it's hard to see that with that clarity sort of into the mm. future but um uh i think like ultimately i i went sort of with a lot more humility and uh i would say like kind of like okay i need to like reach out to people and i can't d do these like kind of crazier behaviors that i did in school right mm. and it's like uh, like another thing on pixar just as a logistic thing like at school i worked all the time and had all these bad habits of like oh i just slept on the computer chair and then worked and then watched movie and then worked and and like it felt like i was constantly working but probably like mm. when i got to pixar i was like oh wow i don't think i've actually worked for eight hours for eight hour day straight yeah you know just like yeah i take so many breaks and do random crap so so like that was hard for just to have focus in that way mm. um and not be like sort of just like oh no i can take a nap and work again in you know four hours or um and so like uh after pixar when i went to bungie um that actually like that gave me a different lesson which was like bungie had incredibly strict contractor rules about hours and so I, you know i had to like clock in and put in hours and then clock out and there was no staying over like that literally just could, you couldn't you know because they would like they, they were tracking that so uh uh strictly and so i really had to like learn in those few years there to like manage my time and um and actually <laughs> just to drive home the point of not quite taking my lessons right away it's like i was uh i forget exactly what it's called uh, do they still call it like a pip or something what, whatever the thing is that when you're like oh we're uh close to firing you uh oh so yeah it's like the, for personal improvement plan yes mm. i don't know if that's what they called it but that was something like that um where basically a, a few months in i was put on yeah. that because i wasn't the watch list work. yeah and and again, they were very clear with me, and it was really good that they did that. But it was basically like I wasn't, I wasn't, I was taking really long for each asset. And mm -hmm. again, I was coming from that, you know, Pixar was very like, oh, you have like a week to do a shot or something. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and at Bungie, that that was like you were trying to output game animations much faster for a production that was launching, you know, in yeah. a year or whatever. And mm -hmm. so like I just wasn't used to that. I was, I I was getting feedback 
a lot, but that also, you know, every time you ask for feedback, you get it. And I wasn't prioritizing it or figuring out who was like the actual person that dictated, you know, I didn't think of like, oh, there's only actually my lead that needs to approve this. I don't mm-hmm. need to go get feedback from the whole team and implement all of it. But I was doing that because I didn't have the sense of priority and getting it done and all that stuff. And so that was a big lesson at, at Bungie where once I got that, once I got put on that pip, I was like, oh, everything is reprioritizing my brain. I need to get things done on my to-do list. So like now I was like getting feedback and then asking which feedback I should actually do for my lead. And then I was getting done, getting things done way, way, way faster. Um, and like, and so that was another big sort of lesson toward hopefully what is a continue, continuously evolving version of myself. But, um, but yeah, that those two kind of one, two punch of like not production ready. And then too slow and getting too much feedback and trying to implement all of it without priority was like those big early lessons that that I had to learn. How does the PIP end? Like after those changes and improvements you made to how you handle things, did what's the result of that? They basically gave me a date, which I think was like a month out from when they told me that was like, you need to be on schedule by then. So like, you're like two weeks behind. And mm. if you, if you do, if you get back on schedule where you're completing everything in the correct estimates by by a month from now, then it's fine. Um, and gotcha. and if not, then we'll have another conversation. But that could you know that could be a we're letting you go kind of thing. Um, which again was super amazing that they were that clear with me. There's a lot of I've seen a lot of managers and and things where that clarity isn't there, and people feel surprised when they're let go. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm. Um... I, I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself into the the young Thomas or Thomas Jack's <laughs> shoes back then after coming off of hot off the press from Pixar and the feedback was like let's not like your your work habits are not good you can't yeah. just con- kill and continue to work all night and now you're forced with this feedback that you're too slow I can see how you would have had to fight really hard not to fall back into those other sort of reflexes of staying up all night and killing yourself to get caught up. Because if you know someone gives you that kind of ultimatum, naturally you're just going to go all in. I would imagine. Right. So I'm curious how you managed to like what? How did that turn out? That uh, given that month, did you get caught up? And what did you end up doing to 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 get there? I mean, I was I guess like thinking back on it, I was just incredibly lucky that that just wasn't allowed. Like I just couldn't. Mm. Like and so mm. I had to, I had just to spend those eight hours like doing the work. Wait, like, a full eight hours. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, you're joking, but it is like it was. Like I'm not joking. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Um, uh, but yeah, like I was. Uh, I it was just it, like the the contractor laws in in Washington at the time. This was in 2010, 2009. Um, I mean, like I don't know. If, they're probably still like that, but like it was just incredibly strict. Like I couldn't take any mm. assets home or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That was like absolutely not allowed. And, and then at work, it was all like hourly, like I had to clock in and clock out. And like, if I was at work clocked out, that would be like, well, you're, you know, you're probably let go. And if you're, and like, it was so strict that like, your manager might be let go too, in that case. And so like, they were incredibly like strict about it, which I actually ended up missing later when I was like in more in staff positions, you know, if you're familiar, like, I think like generally like full-time positions don't have this hourly like strictness. <laughs> Unfortunately. Them. Yeah. 
and so like you you can fall into those those mm. bad habits um the freedom's nice but like yeah like i definitely am grateful that i had to spend like you know those almost two years like being very structured with my time and being very prioritized with feedback because uh because i had to there was just no there's yeah. no wiggle room yeah it was evolve or die basically yeah hmm and then the and there, was, I, there, there was someone there that was like that took assets home to work on them because they were stressed <gasps> and they were just like they just never came back <laughs> no we never heard <laughs> from them again ever yeah it was this just is, like this that's is of course not allowed yeah a forethought to us now in the, the you know this is a before times kind of uh, story before the pandemic where you know everyone's got stuff at home now it would right, feel right that back then would be very very weird yeah yeah <laughs> it, never, it just disappeared yeah Jacob, well, you're saying it's, like a, it's like a leak leak issue and all that stuff yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure i was wondering how you pulled all these all this feedback together from both pixar and bungie then as you moved to blizzard and how that experience was like yeah i mean blizzard was very different from either of them in that you know i blizzard i was full-time so there wasn't the same structure so i definitely like reverted a little into like working really late nights and, and kind of burning okay. myself out but um so you know uh, <laughs> like you, you, you have to have some lessons many times. Uh, <laughs> I continue to have these lessons. <laughs> oh boy! Well, um, you are who you are, right? There's going to be right. instincts for sure. Like if people just the tiger can't change the stripes, not completely, anyways. Right. So I guess it's a constant struggle. And I think you know, it sounds like you, what you've done is built more tools around yourself, so you don't always have to go into that sort of mode. By the mm. sounds of it, but every once in a while, you probably slip into it, just like all, probably a lot of the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like at, at Blizzard, it was very, I, w I would say the, the big difference, the big lesson there was like, I was so intimidated by the sort of the name of Blizzard, mm. um, which I mean, similarly with Pixar and Bungie, obviously, but that that really like, that really hit me hard at Blizzard. Um, and basically, I never gave any feedback to anybody in a sort of like, uh, culture or working relationship sense. So really? like, I, I, I just like, I was too scared to, mm. to say anything about anything. And, you know, uh, as a result, I would just fume about things like, you know, in a corner on my own. Oh, really? Um, and which I think is very common, a very common thing for folks to do, like, because mm -hmm. it is really scary, like, to, uh, you know, give feedback to the, to the people that are paying you money, right? For like, sure. And like, especially if you're like already riddled with uh, imposter syndrome and you're scared right. every, like, I mean, I spent every day at Blizzard just like literally with the singular thought of like, how do I make sure I'm not fired? You know, yeah. like, like, <laughs> what, like, how do I impress folks and do everything I need to do to be like, well, you know. It's the perfect storm. If you think about it, a person who really struggles with self-doubt, the biggest piece of kryptonite that you could ever throw in their lap is give them a very, very, very like dream job position. Sure. Because now you're just like, I'm at the top of the pyramid. How did I get here? No, I just definitely, for sure. I should definitely not be here. I right. shouldn't have been down there. I should not absolutely be up here. So that's, uh, I can imagine the alarm bells going off in your mind there. So you just like, keep your head down. Yeah. Keep your head yeah. Down. Don't give them a reason to fire you. Don't just keep your, <laughs> which obviously is again, uh, yeah, yeah. Prophecy of, of, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just there's a theme here. There's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm glad we guys. could all laugh about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I just you know you do you do things like 
you end up complaining at lunch with a friend instead of actually doing anything about anything right mm. um, and again like I, i'm not i don't want to like there, i'm sure there's tons of people in situations doing that right now and i'm not saying i'm not condemning that i'm just saying like it, it is a it, it does have a self-destructive bend to it yeah. as well which yeah which, it can really affect your work and affect your ability to deliver because yeah yeah there's a difference, I think, between going out and have like having some drinks with buddies at work and just letting off some steam versus mm -hmm. letting it literally take over your sort yeah. of your your attitude so that you're now not you're always looking at pro for problems instead of thinking about solutions. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can it can become like a bit of a um, a parasite that grows really quickly. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Because, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes you, sh you absolutely should go out and just bitch and complain about about things as long yeah, as yeah. it doesn't become the norm. Yeah. And then like, and then some stuff it's like, it's worth, you know, again, like, it's hard to say this because I know that there's probably folks in situations where this really, it, their management might not be okay with it. But when you are in a situation where you feel like you can, you certainly should give feedback to, mm. uh, to management or in, in any channels where you're able to do that. But again, it's, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to give that feedback because totally. I know that their retaliation is a real thing that happens to folks. So, so I don't know like oh, what, yeah. what's the best way, but it just, yeah, sometimes it sucks. I think in my case, I definitely could have been giving the feedback without mm. actually any fear of retaliation. I think like I could have right. been saying all that stuff and it probably would have, people would have been happy to make the yeah. changes or tell me why those things couldn't change or whatever it was. Totally. But I just like, didn't even think that was a possibility because I was so scared, you know, like, uh, and so, um, but otherwise, like I, I would say Blizzard is where I really developed. I mean, we're not talking about craft at all, but like I really developed a lot of craft uh, skills there because it was just such an art focused studio and team. Um, and so like, there was just a lot of, really amazing support for just developing any kind of crazy idea you might have for for making cool polished art and so i was like doing just tons and tons of animation there um at bungie i would say you know i deliver i i learned a lot more about delivering like solid animation on a schedule and um there's bungie is incredibly technical at least it was at the time like engineering driven and design driven and so like i learned a lot about stuff that eventually became like my favorite thing about game development which is like animation systems parametric <clears throat> blending like like uh integrating all these different animations into a single character so they blend between like all these different runs and jumps and looks and aims like you know uh i was just telling somebody like you know in in halo games it's like it's actually very sandboxy and so like almost every action can be done in almost every situation and so you can be like on the back of a car looking 180 degrees behind you reloading and then throwing a grenade and all those animations have to like work together you know <laughs> um at least somewhat and so like solving those problems became one of my favorite things in development especially when you when you made them look good because those mm -hmm. were the kind of moments that made animations almost have this life beyond what yep. i created because i would make these like 17 different assets and then i would see them all come together in a way that you never get to see when you're working on them right it's like oh i made this one arm throw animation on a static t-pose and then i yep. made this like twisting body and it's like all of them individually you can't put on a reel they don't look nope. like anything but if you're if you're seeing the system in your head you can kind of like start to 
put these pieces together and then they like kind of sing and really come to life in these moments that are driven by a player or by an AI. That's like really cool to see. And so um, I got to see a lot of under that hood at Bungie and then at Blizzard, I got to like play a lot under that hood because, you know, they would give me like a dedicated engineer that would help me build stuff and teach me how those systems would work and build tools for me. And like, it was very like artist, uh, artist centered there. So I, I like got to like try a lot of things. Um, so yeah, so the, the and a craft side, those were the kinds of differences as well. It's funny, I you the way you describe it is um, it really resonates with me because it's it's often how I describe it to people that are trying to learn game animation. It's mm -hmm. like it's it's um, it's hard to really fully understand the satisfaction that comes with that until you do it yourself because it is a, a very intricate puzzle and you need to enjoy the there's 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 there it's 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 so micro like the, the the little the pieces that you're building like if you're the mm -hmm. type of person who really likes like like layering clever thinking on top of one another to get the when and then and then be able to step back and see the gestalt of it when you're interacting yeah. with it it is it gets hard it almost sometimes feels like you're kind of like um you're like this you know this genius roboticist that's sort of bringing <laughs> this character to life you know one bolt at a time like it's what it kind of feels like and mm -hmm. um, I really do recommend people giving it a shot because it's actually a lot more uh, accessible nowadays than it ever was mm -hmm. especially you just have to pick up you know obviously Unreal for free or or Unity if that's more your thing um because it's just it's unbelievably accessible these days without having you don't need any programming experience and it's it's mm. it's animation for sure but it is absolutely very different from you know you know polishing some sort of acting shot for a film it's just they're both satisfying when you get people like laughing or crying because because your shot was so great and so so impactful in the theater that's extremely satisfying but this is mm. all is also but a very different kind of satisfaction yeah yeah. yeah, I would say it's like, there's definitely a lot, just in case someone isn't interested in this, like there's definitely a lot of animators and games that are just making oh, yeah. amazing animations and assets, um, yeah. which is absolutely like still a role in games that well, you like can have. Cutscenes um, even, right? Like there's a yeah, lot of yeah, narrative sure. stuff. Um, uh, but I, I would say if you think you're interested at all in the sort of animation systems design kind of aspect yeah. of it, I think it's like one of the most undersold parts oh. of being an animator it's like so cool like if you if you have at all a mind toward the yes. sort of slightly technical things like I, I i rarely feel more satisfied like i think for for the kind of animator that i am uh which again it's i'm not it, it's just different like um it's more like i think i get more easily kind of fatigued from just making an animation mm. asset that is going to live exactly as the way i made it Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think like the benefits of that is this just high level craft and acting that you can put into yeah. like an asset and see exact like have the audience see exactly what you wanted them to see. Um, I think for me, uh, uh, I like the surprise of making mm -hmm. something and maybe like, you don't get to have as much control and can't be quite as That's nuanced right. and, 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 and like perfect, but you get to be surprised by it, which is like so rare as an animator in any other capacity. Like, yep. like animation is like for the person creating it, the one of the least surprising, hmm. least full of surprises that are good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, I think every now and then you might have an ha a happy accident that like results yeah. in like a cool acting choice or a neat way that something yeah. happened. But, but most of the time, probably you're, you're meticulously crafting everything you do. And so, um, 
I think that aspect of it is like having your work kind of live on its own and then do things you weren't expecting or, or surprising yeah. you with things that, that can, if you get really into the system stuff, actually be good surprises and really cool results that, that you weren't anticipating. So that that's cool. And I, and I think even just game development in general, like that's also why, you know, the game I'm working on, Begone Beast, is like highly like procedurally driven and has a lot of like mm. uh, AI driven systems because even within games, I think I would be quickly fatigued working on a linear mm. or like sort of like uh, curated type of game with levels that are pre-made and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because I don't know, like I've been making prototypes in this sort of realm of what Begone Beast is for like three years. There's no way that Clarissa and I, my wife who's working on it with me, would have been able to just be motivated doing that if it was a sort of static linear level based game because we would have been playing the same well not to mention <laughs> not to mention also just very very like time consuming like it's yes. not that it's not it's already time consuming but but to make a game without that layer of proceduralism and building mm. systems to be able to sort of get the most out of less it would be like crippling because it would be just so much data to produce right so mm -hmm. it's also kind of a little bit of working smart not necessarily just solely hard Mm -hmm. um, I, I would also be remiss if I didn't mention this. I know I sound like a broken record, but this job that uh, Tomash is describing here, someone like an animator who enjoys systems and enjoys getting a little bit, their hands a bit dirty with some of the technology. Um, this is these, these people are quickly becoming extremely rare unicorns. They're like albino mm -hmm. unicorns at this point. Like the industry has, is created this vacuum because this, this type of person is so sought after because they're very good at getting content into the game and prototyped and sort of understood. And um, it, otherwise it requires a very complicated series of like, you got to pair a game designer up with a, with a programmer and an animator and they have to somehow work together to produce mm -hmm. a thing. And these people are like, no, I can just give it to me. I'll totally just put it all in there right now. Just, mm -hmm. I, I, I get it. I'll put it in. And um, the speed and the efficiency that comes with that and just the higher level of, of just it looking better because the person who's going to like be thinking like a game designer but also understands the systems well enough but also is projecting what they want to see vision like their vision of what that character should be doing in the game they see all those things so they can build a path there that balances all those things rather than it kind of feeling a little discombobulated which is yeah. often what unfortunately happens when you try to expect three different very very different perspectives to somehow just mingle and get the idea out it usually ends up being a bit of an abomination on the first mm -hmm. try yeah so if you're interested and, in it, you should go down that path because there's a lot of jobs knocking at your door. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and I would say, like, you know, not to... Uh, this is, like, a thing in my own brain that, that I like to think, but it also, like, when you when you have this... When you diversify your skills a little bit in that capacity, especially mm. down, like, a, a rabbit hole that, that you, you particularly like or something, like, with me in systems, it's, like, you can, you can be... A little worse at all of those things <laughs> <It's true. It's laughs> and that's totally okay true. you're still like very valuable i think like i don't know if this is still a thing but like when i was first visiting schools like you know in the last five or five ten years like when i was like talking to a lot of folks there's always there's like a lot of almost every place i went would would be a question of generalist or specialist um i don't know if folks are asking that as much now mm. um but the answer that i've always kind of come up with is like it's like uh, both because to become to become a generalist mm. you must first specialize in something mm. and so like i i think like there's certainly a lot of different paths and i'm not saying that's like the only way but mm. the true generalists that i've worked with that like truly are like they're some of the most extremely valuable people to have on a team 
is usually come from a background of specializing yeah. in something and then yeah. split into something else and then split into something else. And in yeah. fact, I feel like specializing in something helps you learn mm. other things too. Yeah. So it's like, it's Gives like you perspective, a, right? It's like, because you already know, like what it looks like to be deeply knowledgeable about one thing. And so you can kind of eat more easily branch and know the kind of questions to ask and where, how to learn is like a, yeah. it's like, a, I don't know how to like, I'm sure there's smart people that have words for these things, but like learning how to learn is like a thing yeah, that I feel like totally. even very recently I've been like learning about myself. Like what are the methods by which I learn things quickly? Because, you know, I thought I was kind of like a solid, like, oh, I'm a good game developer who has a background in animation. And then once I went indie, it was like, oh my God, there's like a thousand other things to learn that I thought, oh, yeah. I, I, thought I knew. And it was like, now I'm like learning stuff every week of like mm. from zero to it good enough. It's like, how I, how can I get there as fast as possible? Um, and so like, uh, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot more about how I can learn things, uh, which, which has been uh, extremely valuable, but also like, um, uh, you know, I still don't feel like I have a total hang of it. Um, but I would say it, it helps make me not afraid when you're staring at the in the face of something that is like, I don't know anything about this. And it just it's like terrifying to be like, oh, here's a here's a thing you need to do. And you don't know what any of the words mean. You don't know mm -hmm. how to do it at all. You don't know what, you know, tools. And it's like, it helps you like be less scared of that if you've stared in the face of something like that many times and have gotten to good enough many times. Mm, mm. Um, uh, and like, I think that's been a very fulfilling part of kind of going in the, in, down the indie route. But I also think just in general, like it's taught me that like, it's not, it's not impossible for you to learn almost anything. And I think it's not like unique to me in any way. It's like, I think, I think you, it's easy to get comfortable and forget like you're actually capable of learning things pretty quickly and it just seems impossible in, in the moment but it's like yeah actually if i gave you three full days you could probably be knowledgeable about almost anything to a basic sense like just enough to know like oh i know what tools these kinds of artists use because like you can just research a lot of that like to a basic mm -hmm. you're not going to become a master at it obviously but you, you can maybe demystify it enough to at least not be terrified to, to touch it and things like that. So I don't know, I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, but. That's all right. I'd mind. actually like to go a little further on the education yeah. and learning stuff that you're talking about, because at your time at Riot, you started off as an animator uh, and kind of turning around the animation department a little bit, but you ended in education and mm -hmm. learning paths in Riot. And if mm -hmm. I recall, you volunteered yourself for that role. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about how that came up and what your goals were with that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think on one end of that, I was looking to basically, th there were a lot of things internally, like that were happening with Riot, the art departments specifically that there was like this big, like push toward uh, T-shaped artists, which is like a, I don't know if that's like a phrase that is still being used. You'll have to not, elaborate. Yeah, it's, so, so basically the, the, the T is like, you know, this is like your general knowledge of things and then you're deep in one right and so a t-shaped specialty is like you're a specialist in one thing but you have this baseline of knowledge of everything else uh that that, that you interact with and so like i have not heard that before 
yeah so so that was like a big thing at the time of like how do we get all of our artists to know enough like quickly know enough about all the other art disciplines so that they can more effectively work together in in uh in pods because a lot of the work at riot was matrix so it would be like you know four different kinds of artists a programmer a game designer you know qa things like that so like knowing a little bit more about each uh each different discipline like the idea was that you would become a much better developer which I, which i think i generally agree with i think there's still areas where you can just do your own thing and that's fine um but it certainly gives you perspective in like oh what are the best ways i can hand my work over how do i best communicate with this person how do i better understand also even just like empathize with like why why doing this seems to piss this person off or something you know like like or like it's make true them, yeah and so like uh you know just understanding things like people at the end of the pipe tend to get the collection of everybody's delays all at yep. once and they're always yep. through and it's like and you know maybe for me it's like what's the big deal like i got them the animation before we we're shipping it just like you know they can put the sound on it or whatever it's like mm -hmm. you don't even know what sound to put on it until your yep. animations are done and then you're still right. editing them by the way <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yep. it's like it's like you if you understand a little bit better like the pain it's a little bit easier to prioritize your work so that that's right you're causing less pain for for the folks down the line or up this you know up the stream from you or whatever and so like uh that initiative meant uh like they were looking for someone to kind of uh build these classes to quickly like you know in a in a four to six hour session kind of like expose an art team to like a, a different discipline like what are the absolute like core things you should know and what are the what, here are some core questions you should understand and even try building something with their tools to kind of see like oh this is really hard you know <laughs> um even if you weren't good at it just like understanding like oh man like you spend a lot of time like looking through libraries of files like i didn't know that and like that makes sense why it's frustrating to change some you know like it's like you're understanding the specific angles of frustration rather than just general like oh they're pissed off when i'm late you know? um so you can be late in more specific ways <laughs> um, uh, that that maybe ease that right um and so uh that was really exciting to me because i was just in just generally interested in being more uh knowledgeable about that stuff myself so i was like oh i, I you know i had some experience like doing workshops doing uh speaking events and things like that i'd done some speaking at riot um, which had gone over well and so uh yeah i decided to uh leave r d which was where i was currently in and spend like about a year and a half or so uh building these internal classes which ended up being extremely difficult uh, <laughs> um but resulted in and um, we ended up taking all that info internally and 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 pushing it out to uh externally so they're all on youtube now and stuff so that's yeah um that's awesome but personally like also i just i thought what a great way for me to learn all these <laughs> different things so, yeah selfish um, almost right yeah yeah um and so like you know i had to go through so many uh, like all these meetings with all the different disciplines and figuring out what the most important things to them were and how they worked and what tools they used and how to communicate that to people who didn't know anything about it mm. and that was like a huge uh learning experience for me which was pretty awesome uh, uh that i had the chance to do that 
Well, this provides a very, very perfect segue because obviously in, in, in uh, the shadow of this, in the wake of this, having mm -hmm. seen the matrix as you've yeah. unlocked all this knowledge and have a bigger idea as to just exactly what kind of ingredients go into making the sausage, you mm -hmm. then found yourself going out on your own and building your own thing, which is of mm -hmm. course, Begone Beast. Um, so I want to make sure we can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, you know, try to almost pick up where we left off or where you and Jacob left off, like where mm -hmm. you were at, and then kind of talk a little bit about what happened at GDC and what kind of, what kind of um, things came out of that, both positive and negative, and uh, where are you at now? Sure. Um, is there anything in particular you'd want me to start with? I think I would there... start with, so where were you, what phase in the development were you when you were speaking to Jacob and you kind of, we were, you know, you gave a bit of a back, backstage look at the game. Mm -hmm. were you like, where were you in the, in, in the, the sort of the genesis or the, the evolution of the game at that point? Nice. So, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, to give a broader picture, uh, in 2019 is when I left Riot. And at the time I wasn't like immediately thinking like, I'm going to start a studio, um, uh, I was more just like, I was a little bit burned out from the mm. decade of AAA and, and uh, uh, my wife was going to start school. And so it just seemed like a good time to be like, I'm going to take a break for a while and then, mm. you know, sort of assess things. Um, uh, my wife, Clarissa, uh, had at the time sort of been a year or two into changing careers from marketing to engineering um, <laughs> and had decided to pursue a master's degree in computer science. And so like while she was starting that, I and I was like sort of just home, like resting and kind of like reconnecting with like what inspired me about art and games and all that stuff. We started prototyping stuff together in Unity. And so, you know, obviously that turned into this immediate thought of like, oh my God, we, we could make a game. Like this, this, these are the two main ingredients, you know, like art and code. Um, and so we started a, we started making prototypes. Uh, we spent about two and a half years making prototypes that did not really captivate us or anybody. There was like bits there that you can definitely see in Begone in the sort of Begone Beast prototype now. Um, but you know, it it definitely became grueling in its own way. <laughs> Just like I'm gonna go take a break from AAA and then kill myself making prototypes. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, last september we got some tough feedback and um and really good advice from a designer game designer a friend of mine and we kind of soft rebooted the whole thing and made uh, a six-month prototype which we were about four and a half months into when i talked to jacob last at the 24-hour okay. challenge yeah, yeah. And uh, and so we were with the goal of taking a fully functional prototype that that like general people could play at GDC. That was like, OK, like we plan to go to GDC. Now we better build a prototype that now mm -hmm. we're taking this very seriously. Right. And so um, kind of that self-imposed <laughs> deadline of like, all right, let's let's do this. Um, and and just as a backdrop to this, um, you know, we had moved into Clarissa's parents house uh in 2019 just to like you know because not, neither of us had income at the time so mm. that that's all happening in the background as well as obviously the pandemic which you know uh everybody already has uh, heard enough about but um uh so that's how we were spending our time we came out of that four months with a initial prototype that we sent to folks that played actually jacob played it at the time that that was like um it was just good enough that hmm. people could play it and understand it mm. um, um 
and that was really valuable. And then we made huge changes just based on those like 20 people who gave us feedback. And that resulted in the prototype we took to GDC. So, um, which impossibly ended up like fairly playable and, and bug free <laughs> and, and worked pretty well there. And so it was really cool. Yeah. yeah so just as like, hey. uh, Okay. Just before you go on, um, Tomas, just so for so in your mind, just and just to help other people that may want to yeah, kind yeah. of try to get go down a similar path, what was the what was the motivation and goal to go to GDC? Like, why would anyone want to go to GDC with what what you had in hand at the time? What what was the what was the hope? Um, I think one thing was like, so there were a lot of components. One was like I was just a fan of GDC from having yeah. attended as a as for a, sure as an attendee in the past, and mm -hmm. second, like we had not seen people a lot a long time so it was like oh this would be a cool just to like refresh ourselves and be motivated and it would be fun yeah. to just like actually see people's faces and, and everything totally um uh it lined up time wise and it just seemed like okay this is a place full of developers or at least industry focused folks this is not gdc isn't typically accessible to non-industry folks because mm. it's just prohibitively expensive to get tickets so it's like not there's not a huge reason to go there just as a gamer and so that mm. was a little less like scary to just be like okay we can um make connections talk to people and everything and then the goal was also like let's see if there's if we get any attention from mm -hmm. publishers from folks that might totally. fund this you know from partners that might want to work with us all that stuff so yeah. like like we didn't have a lot of expectations going with it it was more just like let's take a temperature because we've been kind of nobody even knows we're doing this you know so yeah yeah did you pre-book any meetings with anybody or did you just sort of bring it and just try to like meet people on the fly while you were there i mean i probably should have <laughs> uh, <laughs> In hindsight. yeah it was definitely like it definitely felt like gdc had a lot of people in pre-booked meetings throughout the mm. entire week um i was so like I mean, it was a miracle to get a functioning prototype done on time yeah. there that I just like, <laughs> it was literally like the day we drove up from LA to the door. was like, we just got this freaking my computers in the trunk with the prototype on it that we had just <laughs> put the last bug fix on. And yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God I have to, we have to drive for, you know, seven hours. So I can't work on the game so I can just relax. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is it. We're done. Um, and so from my understanding, there's like two main parts of what you did there, right? There was, you had a booth where people could play the game. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing was like an indie pitch. Yes. So yeah, so I guess the, the only thing that we did kind of pre book was there was an awesome, awesome event there called GDC pitch run by mm -hmm. Jason Delarosa. De and uh, um, he's like a fixture in indie games and sort of like helping. Yeah. He's huge. Build pitches. Yeah. And all that stuff. So he, uh, um, one of the best parts of GDC for us was regardless of the actual competition, he four weeks beforehand, like, you know, when they, we submitted and we were selected as one of the contestants and he basically offered that four weeks of his time to be like anybody that wants any of the contestants that want to send me your pitch, I will give you feedback as many times hmm. as you want. You know, that's cool. He wasn't actually judging the event. He was just like hosting no, it. But but, he yeah, but so he's, he's been enough of those panels that he would have yeah. a pretty good instinct to, to give you good feedback. Yeah. Right. And so I did that a bunch of times. Uh, <laughs> I actually sent him videos of myself pitching, which was like, you know, I just want <laughs> you to know if you ever are in this situation, that's like the worst thing to have to do is like, 
practicing spe speeches or pitching to an empty mm. room is like oh, yeah. agonizing. It just sucks. And like, especially if you're like, if you're pitching to a person that's like there to give you feedback, they're not going to give you any reactions. They're just going to sit there like, mm. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, give you no energy back because one, that's probably the fifth time they're hearing it. And, and like, and, and also it's like, you know, there's not energy in that room. Right. Mm. And then like, also bringing energy to a webcam or something where there's nobody there and you're just yeah. sending off that video to someone it's like excruciating but i really really you know highly recommend to try to get through that because it's so important because that video or that practice that's not where you're trying to impress someone you're you're doing this agonizing thing so that you can be yeah. better on the actual day that it matters the dress which rehearsal. by the way that day isn't even the main one either like you know that's <laughs> still just a practice for like five mm. years from now when you'll be doing another bit you know <laughs> and so it's like i think that's a huge lesson for me getting older is like actually everything you're doing is in preparation for something else that you don't even know about yet it's like yeah you keep thinking like no i'll just i won't i won't take advantage of the learnings of this because this is the thing like uh, you know it's <laughs> like this is the thing. It's like, no, actually, this is the thing that you need to learn from so that you can do this yeah. other thing, which will also just be a thing you need to learn from, you know, um, everything is just scaffolding for the next thing. So uh, really try to mine and take the time to kind of be as present as you can to mine it for information. So like, mm. I feel like I took a lot of advantage of Jason's really amazing offer there, which was probably one of the best things that come out of GDC was just that mm. being able to like send him stuff for feedback. And then, uh, so there was that. And then I also needed to make a trailer for like this other contest that we submitted for, which was like a best in play um, category that was based on gameplay trailers. So um, I made like a panicked trailer, which is still the one on our website in like uh, in a couple hours, uh, one night before it was due. And and, uh, and I, I was actually pretty happy with how that turned out. And so, um, those were the only two things I think ahead of time that we had planned other than just going to GDC with a booth. Um, and that certainly bit us in the ass a lot of ways, because for one thing, I didn't even realize that in my sort of rush, I didn't even realize that the expo floor was only open for three days of that week. Mm -hmm. We showed up Monday morning ready to go. And, and I was like looking around at all this construction and I was like, man, they're going to be done with this in two hours. <laughs> someone else was like, it opens Wednesday. And I'm like, You're like oh. oh. <laughs> that was probably easily available information. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like someone was uh, really a lot, really too busy just baking that last uh, build. I think before they yeah, got out the door. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Classic. So well, okay, but that so was a better you, mistake than the other way around for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That would have been disastrous. So okay. So you got some great feedback from Jason. Uh, De La Roca, you got, and you all, you also got a chance to meet with some other entities while there. And where do you think that the barometer is on feedback? Do you feel like it's um, overwhelmingly positive? Is it a mixed bag? Is it like you got to go back to the drawing board? Where do you feel like you're sitting right now? So, interestingly, we did this other event right before GDC. So the night oh. before GDC started, there was an event called. Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. I'm going to find it later and tell you, but it was, uh, um, oh, Courage XL. Sorry. Clarissa <laughs> nice. Thanks, Clarissa. <laughs> Thanks for uh, the assist. Thank you. Uh, Courage XL, which okay. was like this. It was a very, it was a very strange experience because it was like a bar setting where a bunch of, oh, yeah. 
showed their in progress or finished games for while drinking. Testing. What could possibly yeah. go wrong? Actually, yeah, not just while drinking, but when people played the game, you gave them a ticket to get a drink for free. Oh, it's so, and so perfect. It was like it was like a it was a fun thing, but it was definitely mm. like a nerve-wracking, very scattered, noisy environment to be showing off a thing that you're terrified people for the, are going to for hate. the first time. For the first time. But we <laughs> but we thought to ourselves like, well, better to have that first time not at mm. PPC if we can. That's right. You know, this will have better to a full of drunkards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that experience, I would say, felt to me more like a mixed bag because we mm. found several bugs that were that we hadn't mm. caught yet. The playtest felt a little long. I think it was running like 20 minutes or something, which mm. was kind of long for like a show floor, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, a lot of the people there, obviously, there were also like people drinking and and people that weren't developers. They were more like uh, on the biz dev side of things. So mm. the kinds of questions and things they had reactions to were like not what we were expecting, you know. Mm. Um, it wasn't like terrible or anything, but I definitely left that feeling like, whew, this is going to be a rough week of like you know <laughs> hearing tough things and then stuff yeah. like that um but because we had those piece of drunken feedback you got um well my favorite piece not oh, maybe the most useful but my favorite <laughs> was somebody was playing the game and uh and there's this like tutorial part in the demo where you're just running around as like the kids and you're screaming and stuff and then I sort of just like, without any preparation, this like in, this like invisible door opens and a huge mm. demon comes out. And that was like my way of being like, this is what you're gonna face in the game. And so like, here's your preparation, go. You know, um, so you have a chance to kind of like see what the game's gonna be like in moments. Mm -hmm. right? And the sort of this this tipsy person playing was like, okay, I see what you got here. Cute little character, a little bit cute, not very scary. Holy shit! <laughs> 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 they were that verbose that they yeah were. yeah that oh, is, that's, that's actually the best thing about live uh play testing in those environments is because everybody's very vocal um mm. not everybody but i guess like lots of people are very local or vocal i mean um and say and so you get to see like the feedback they would self curate after the fact is not the same as seeing yeah. the actual moment to moment reaction and what they mm. chose to do um, a lot of difficult things uh, when you get feedback in a form or, or just after in a conversation from someone playing a game is mm. they don't know what they didn't understand. Mm. And so they don't know to give feedback on that. Right. And so mm. you might be like, Oh, did you use like, here's a really basic example. It's like, how did you like all the abilities? And they were like, Oh, they were all great. Um, but unbeknownst to them, they didn't use half of them. Right? That's right. And so, yeah. And so they might have this in, impression of the game. That's very simple, easy to use. And they're not actually giving you feedback that it's too complicated because they didn't mm. even they didn't right. even, they even see the there. things because they were so complicated, yeah. right? Or something like that, right? And so you might get like thumbs up, it's all great. And but when you watch them, you realize, oh wow, this was so complex, you didn't even realize you weren't doing it, right? This mechanic was so nestled that you didn't even yeah. get to it, right? And so that's why it's like really great to see uh, see those things. There are ways to like you know deal with that in forms and things like a great yeah. thing that i i learned if you ever solicit feedback in a, in a form or something like that is uh asking people to explain the mechanics briefly mm. will allow pitch you it to back see, to you almost yeah you'll see that oh they thought they understood this and they didn't and this is how mm. they thought they understood it mm -hmm. or they didn't even know about these three other things because when they described it to me they didn't even include them right so Really um, that's a way rather than saying like were the mechanics satisfying or good because then you're missing yep. that potential pitfall there. Um, 
Okay. Maybe this would be a really good moment to just give quick shout out to all those people who do run the game test labs at these big companies, because honestly, there's a lot of science and a lot yeah. of like a lot of, you know, human, human engineering that goes into understanding how to, how to expose a group of people to, to a product like this and how to extract useful, critically useful information and to reduce and mitigate the noise that you can get from these kind of sessions. Mm -hmm. I never, it never fails to amaze me. And it's, it's so crazy. You could see right away, like some, some game companies have realized just how, how, how golden and how, how absolutely precious that is. And mm -hmm. they invest a lot of time and energy. And then there's other companies that are just, we'll just get a bunch of people come in play it. We'll just listen to what they say. But it's, I feel like the ones on the other side, really, they understand just how, cause it's all just, it's user experience, right? UX is, mm -hmm. is so critical to the success of the game because you, like, like you're saying, Tomash, it's like no, nothing sucks more than putting all this effort into these mechanics and like, 75 80% of the people don't even know that they're there is right. obviously not a good a good that's not a good time spent it's like that money you might as well just burned it you should be putting it where where or find ways of making sure it's exposed and understood to the players yeah and the way they give you feedback might be this game is too simplistic and you end up adding more mechanics that's rather right. than not realizing exactly that exactly them, right? oh man exactly <laughs> Um, okay. So, wow. Okay. So you, so that prepared you that, that, so that it was sort of a nice, easy way in to mm -hmm. like pre GDC and you yeah. got a mixed, mixed results. So how did GDC yeah. differ in as far as feedback? So GDC, I think, well, the first thing was the mistake I made bought us two days <laughs> and, uh, and we actually set up in the hotel and fixed oh, some that's of those funny. bigger glaring hmm. issues, Oh, really? which, <laughs> wow. which, you know, other Hot devs were like, uh, not a good idea to be changing your build right now. Um, yeah, but we're like, we're, exactly. we still have the other one. We still have the other one. So we're yeah, maintaining yeah. all the old builds. We can we can roll back to it if we yeah. make. Because as any of experienced people knows, like any change of fixing a bug introduces three new ones. So it's like Always. It's extremely dangerous to be making changes uh, on anything. Yep. Um, but we basically we fixed some issues where people weren't understanding things in the tutorial that we constantly had to say to them. And we shortened the demo so it was a little bit more punchy and the pacing was closer to what we wanted. Um, so like just quick, two quick little fixes. When we brought that Wednesday morning, we also had a really cool part of this was uh, Clarissa's brother and sister came, one of my close friends came, uh, uh, my Clarissa's brother's uh, girlfriend came and all of us were kind of running the booth together. Um, if anybody has the experience of running a booth, I would definitely say like, uh, please, please, please bring people to help you because it was mm. just, it was a, like just way more important than I realized that I would be talking to people the whole time and I wouldn't be able to really help people with the game, mm. uh, sub in or like explain things or, you know, do anything because I would be sucked into some conversation or other. Um, and it was just so amazing to have friends there that, that would just like, you know, just do the mechanics of like, oh, here's a controller. Here's how you play. Mm -hmm. What you know? Oh, you're stuck. Do this, right? Um, and so, I mean, the the end of the story is like, well, I there's like no other way to say it other than like the three days we demoed the game were overwhelmingly positive reactions. It was just a That's really awesome. amazing experience. Like, like just like you know, years of prototypes that had very lukewarm reactions. It was incredibly validating. Obviously. I immediately clamp down on that in my head and go like, well, that's only a couple hundred people. Like these are all developers. <laughs> Some things show better on a show floor than mm. in reality. Like all this stuff that, that I immediately start to think, but it definitely felt like I came out of GDC with an, with a completely different mindset, mm. different, like, 
you know, different level of confidence and understanding and, and feeling and, and just super hyper motivated to continue working. So that has been like uh, uh, an amazing experience in that regard. So, million yeah. dollar question, million dollar question. Did anything you do did the, the two days prior, did anything, did any of that blow up in your face? So be, we ended up making little tiny changes, even the nights between the days. Oh, one man. of one of those caused a delayed hard mm. lock. So like it was working fine for half the day and then halfway through the day it would start to hard lock on the tutorial oh, end no. screen. And we tried it twice with a group. Luckily it was like early in the play test. So like we tried it twice and then rolled back to an, an mm. earlier build um, and just you know, the only change we had made there is like a clarity thing that we fixed. Mm. Um, uh, and so we just rolled with that one. So we had like right. four playtests at GDC that we ended up creating and we ran mostly with the third one. And the third one has been the one I also send to folks that want to, uh, okay. you know, uh, review the game from a funding mm. standpoint or all that stuff. So the third one was the one that ultimately was the most stable. Uh, the fourth okay. one had some unknown crash that we still haven't. <laughs> looked into <laughs> well that's still pretty cool so like the third one you made while on site is the one yeah. that you were primarily showing and it's still the one you continue to show yep yep oh that's pretty awesome so in your face devs who try to tell you not to do that i guess huh? <laughs> no they're right they're right yeah yeah uh, i definitely I I mean, that, thank uh, god we had them to roll back to like you know yeah absolutely that's true you still had the old versions yeah uh, i know that you won't bring it up so I'll bring it up that for the indie pitch competition, mm -hmm. you guys were awarded first place. Yes, for just to be clear, it's TEDx. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> there were two days. There were two days of the competition. Both days had a winner, so we were the winner. Oh, of okay. The second mm. day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that that was the one that Jason Delarocca was ba basically preparing you for by giving you yes. some, some sort of like pre uh, yeah. preemptive feedback because he wasn't on the actual panel, but he's right. been on them before. Yeah. That's pretty and he cool. Offered that to all the contestants. So it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I it wasn't. Yet. Yeah, exactly. He just put it out there as an open off and offer. Fun fact, Jason DeLaRocca actually ran one of the first very, very successful uh, game incubators here um, in Montreal. Um, yeah. He, um, he, uh, it was called execution labs. So I don't think it's um, running anymore. He's moved on to probably bigger His and crazier things. That, so oh yeah. So maybe it's yeah. still a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, for some reason I thought that it wasn't running anymore. I don't know why. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Um, I, I, but I know that he's emailing from that address, so I think he might. I don't know what their function is currently, but I know yeah. that he has like two decades of experience. Oh yeah, yeah. It's process and incubation. He's he's he's, he's like the. Yeah, he's like the biz dev god around here, and he he's just so well connected. He's so gracious with his time, and he uh, he just loves games and just loves the community. And so, what basically what Execution Labs was was if you got an idea, um, he had a lot of people just dropping out of their jobs and pairing up with like two or three other people. Sometimes it would be students coming out of school. Sometimes it would be like people that are like veterans, and it was a place to go where basically the, the, the incubator, well, if anybody, I don't know if anybody out there really knows what an incubator is, but incubators basically are supporting you by bringing in like volunteer experts and veterans that can come in and take a look and give you feedback. But also they put you in sort of a track to be like kind of a, they build a platform basically for you to then pitch from um, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that, that, you know, essentially they attract investors and possible publishers that come to them to sort of see what the offering is this time around, you know, and they kind mm -hmm. of do it in cohorts basically. And yeah. it's a little bit like, it's almost like a school. It's almost like an internship that you can do. But yeah. um, anyways, it was very successful. A lot of those games actually got released um, out of execution labs. So he's a great guy. 
you should definitely try to connect with him. And if you're out there listening to this, because he's yeah. great, he's awesome. And he has great uh, GDC talks. And just if you look up his oh, yeah. name on YouTube and stuff, there's I watched yeah, yeah, a lot he's of his stuff prolific there as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we're quarter after. We should probably try to k- take some questions. But it sounds like you had something, Jacob. I was just going to ask if people are still able to sign up to do playtests on the Beyond ah, Beast website. Oh, yeah. So Very if you guys go to beyondbeast.com, you can sign up for our email list, which will be where we distribute playtests in the future. I, I can't nice. tell you exactly when the next playtest will run, but they will be frequent and numerous. So any, <laughs> any interest in helping us develop this game, like mm. it's going to be a critical part of, of our next year to, to have a lot of playtesters, and we're going to be doing a lot of support and, and cool stuff Excellent. like that. So. And actually, on on just piggybacking on top of that, before we get into questions, I should also say uh, something I wanted to bring up during this chat is we're actually currently talking to Tomash about um, building a kind of a, a collaborative stream together, uh, something that will allow us as a community to follow through the trials and tribulations of the development of a game, which I think is really mm-hmm. great. And if some of you might have remembered that I was talking about doing something similar like this with the um, the um, the g1 which is the the internally developed game that uh, that agora has been sort of tinkering with mm-hmm. um and then and then sort of tamash sort of sailed in um you know out of out of out of the, out of the right field and and offered uh that maybe that could be something that we could actually do together and so mm-hmm. I, I i really i'm excited by this because what i think there's lots of opportunities that that, that are going to be born out of this for sure um um, obviously just be able to learn from the things that are happening, you know, in real time during your development. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know, I think it's gonna be great because we can always check in and sort of everyone can learn from your learnings. And yeah. that, that's kind of what we do here at Agor community, basically at the end of the day. So it's nice to see something as raw and, 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 and as, um, as real time as, as a development in progress. So it's gonna be pretty cool. So please stay just, tuned for that because we're gonna have some common, common, uh, sort of uh, regular stream set up for that. Yeah. Sorry, Jacob. No, I was going to say to kick us off with some questions. Uh, Kristen yep. actually has a question, which is my wife mm. who knows Tomash mm. uh, also nice. for over 15 years. Uh, it's a two-parter. First, didn't Jacob have the best girlfriend in college? She was so <laughs> cool. <and all> right. <laughs> <laughs> you brought us food in the in the uh, computer lab all the time. Uh, and then second part is how do you uh, maintain an appropriate balance now that you're in charge of yourself between overworking yourself like you used to staying mm. late uh getting super focused on one tiny little thing over and over how's that balance now um well first off yes obviously hard agree i uh <laughs> um and and i would say on the second part it's all fallen apart because i don't have a jacob's girlfriend around to help <laughs> manage everything and, and tell us we've been here too long or what no, <laughs> but uh but yeah like i think i think i'm still figuring that out like uh um i think i tend to run like and jacob you know this i tend to run like really really hot on something for a while and i'll work crazy hours and then i'll just have like a uh like i work in these high t- intensity bursts which is um you know when you're completely on your own is like not uh nobody's depending on me as much so i can just kind of do that um uh i definitely feel like i'm evening out um because like the biggest thing that i think uh in the last year that i've that i've really improved is 
less about managing my work schedule from a like, oh, how much work do I put in today or this day or that day? It's it's still very milestone oriented. So I tend to have like little mini crunches or relaxation periods built in. Um, I've eased it out through, and I guess, you know, th this isn't like a prescription to other people, but for me, like uh, I've managed for the first time in my life to like exercise every day and like spend time kind of like, uh, um, you know, doing more healthy things like like uh, cleaning my space and eating better and, and and working out, and that has become something I've successfully been able to put into place uh, daily. And so, like that sort of forces me to at least in, in some to some extent be like, well, there's going to be two hours today that I'm not going to work because I have to, mm. like, like I'm getting older and I this needs to be part of my life. It's just fact, like. Like I'm not going to be able to function if, if I don't take care of the spaceship I'm in. Uh, so like, <laughs> uh, and, and so that has helped a lot. I think the other thing I would say is like, um, I do a lot of task tracking. I wouldn't say I'm great at task predicting and like estimating how long something takes or something like that, but. I definitely track everything I do so that I can see what has taken the longest, what hasn't. I, I like I like collecting data on my work and Clarissa's work as well. And so um, we have a lot of, it's just a basic like weekly list of what did we do this week? What didn't we do? And I take time to, to kind of put that together. Um, there's a lot of tools for that. I, for now, I have just been doing a whiteboard and I take pictures of it. It's like not super complicated in the, we are looking at doing uh, project management software now that we're like possibly scaling up a little bit and, and things like that. But, uh, um, I highly, highly recommend that. Like, um, especially for me, like, I have like the whiteboard right here, like I put it very visible so I can like really see, like sometimes when my brain starts to spin, like I can just look at it and go like, okay, the top thing I'm trying to get done right now, you know, stop thinking about the 80 other things you need to do and kind of prioritize. And then I like to think in terms of two week chunks. I know like agile methodology, all that stuff. Like like for me, what it breaks down to is like, I like to know what is roughly like in the month's timeline. So like what's three months out, what is my goal, right? And then what this week do I wanna accomplish from a goal perspective, not, not a task list perspective, but like what am I working toward? Um, and so for an example of that might be something like, oh, this week we're trying to do uh, the very first version of uh, being able to see the game online between two computers. And so like, mm. what do I need to do to help do that? A lot of that's on Clarissa because it's an engineering task, but if that's the goal, I can think about like, what are the tasks underneath that goal? What pushes us towards yep. that? Um, and I try to use that as a razor to prioritize against. So like I can be very easily scattered and be like, oh, it'd be so awesome to add another character or improve the animations on this. And I'm like, is that helping this goal, which is to see mm. the game working on two computers uh, connected through network? No, so I'm not gonna work on that right now. Unless I have another goal that is like, uh, you know, increase the spectacle of the game, right? And so it's like, I want high spectacle for this week, which was a goal, like, for instance, right before the trailer. It's like, right before the trailer, we had, like, cubes as a lot of the enemies and stuff. And so it was like, well, now, finally, I can go prioritize replacing those cubes because for a trailer, it actually does matter that they're creatures and that they look spectacular, right? And so, mm -hmm. like, um, that's kind of the loose way I, I think about that stuff. It sounds like you have a good way of um, 
preventing the scope creep and staying focused on what it is you need to stay focused on for that particular sprint. Will you still work all night? Hmm. Um, very rarely these days, also just from physical limitation, but there, <laughs> there was definitely, I mean, the two weeks leading up to GDC were a disaster from a hmm. just like scheduling standpoint, but it's just, I don't know. I'm crazy. I don't know what to do. Like, I think, uh, what, what helps is once you're working with like other people, um, there is a hard line I put where I'm like, I'm just never going to expect that from other people. And you just kind of have to be okay with things being delayed or something mm -hmm. not being done on time. And like, you have to kind of be okay with that even when you do too much unhealthy things like working all night, because there's just limitations to that. And actually, there's also a lot of studies that say that's not even faster. Like you end up working a lot more poorly, but um, you know, there's some stuff I just push through because I just can't stop myself. So I don't know. I'm still learning. I'm sure I'll I'll take some hard punches from that lesson soon, and and then we'll be talking about that in a future stream. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's all about balance, right? I mean, it sounds like you know you can't expect to fix everything. I think that the fact that you brought in some healthy habits like getting exercise and taking mm -hmm. care of yourself will help counter the some of the the natural you know tendencies for Tomash to be Tomash sometimes. Right. I think that they, they that, that I mean it's I think it's what we all need to do. You can't expect cuz otherwise you're going to be almost too hard on yourself. You should find a way of balancing who you are and like allowing yourself to indulge and sort of like go into a moment of passion and just totally work all night if that's what drives you. I mean like mm. that's sometimes it's I mean some sometimes that's you know some people think that's completely unhealthy but I don't know. I think that sometimes it's kind of like a sign of just being very passionate about what you do, as long as you don't do it all the time. And as long as you're not doing it because you feel like you have to, you know, and I know anyways, I just, I have mm. baby steps, I guess. Right. Um, I, I have one little quick question. Then we get two more here. And the, my question was about, um, the, I mean, it's related to the first one, which was, um, w w about now you're kind of your own boss. I'm wondering like dynamically, going back to the beginning of this whole conversation today where we talked about, you know, um, you know, your imposter syndrome and just being a little insecure on, I, I, I can see that be complicated. If you're your own boss, you only have yourself to let down now. And so like, is that a struggle for you? Like, because I can see that being even extra hard, even more hard than having like these people that you're looking up to, you got to do, do good enough for them. Or like, it can also maybe be easier in some ways. I'm just curious what your, what feelings you have on that topic. Well, definitely not, not, I'm still not the only person I can let down. There's, there's, well, sure. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Cause you can always find someone to be sort of scared to let down. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I think there is, it's scary because in a weird way, for me, it feels like the truest version of this terror, which is like, now I'm just going to be directly interfacing with my That's player right. base and customers. Like, yeah, they, you've removed like, the middleman, which used to be right. your manager. Now you're just it's dealing with the like, clients. <laughs> it's and, got worse. And like the, the freeing aspect of that is that I, I can interpret those things myself and I can hear directly from those folks right whereas before you're hearing something that's like going down a chain to you from a manager that has their own like like goals and needs and wants that might not might not line up even with the player base mm. or with you right yep. and so um sometimes they do sometimes they don't and so like removing that aspect definitely now i'm the person interpreting it and having and i have my own goals and maybe some people that 
you know, do any work for me in the future are, are going to deal with that as well. But, mm. um, but it definitely feels like it feels, I think, very freeing to, to directly sort of, uh, you know, get the water right from the fire hose or whatever, mm -hmm. um, like just like go right, right from the source. But uh, it also requires a lot more like discipline with sticking to what your goals are. And so it's almost mm -hmm. like you need to create your own boss that is like the vision of the project, because mm -hmm. otherwise it's easy to just like every time I hear feedback from somebody, I, my, my initial in knee jerk instinct is like, oh, yeah, I could go fix that, you know, <laughs> and I have to like think to myself, like, is that in line with the experience yeah. that I'm trying to give with this game? Yeah, because yeah. most of the time it won't be because people aren't giving feedback based on your goals. They're giving feedback no. based on their own goals or 100%. what they think will help the most, right? What they want the game to be. Um, and so that doesn't make their feedback invalid. You just have to assess them based on the goals yep. you have or else if you're implementing things that all have different goals, the game will get worse, right? Oh yeah. And, and it's only a chance that it even gets better when you're super aligned anyway. So it's like, it's, yep. it's very difficult. Because the game can't be everything, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. I'm going to drop a question up here. This is from a, a, a somewhat regular community member. Uh, do you have some ways to improve estimating tasks? Um, they struggle with this a lot. was wondering if you had a way of doing this. I think in, in game development, that's even extra hard because there's yeah. often a lot of correlating sort of subtasks that have to happen and, you know, it like can become complicated. So have you gotten, you know, what, what's, your, what's your technique or what's your, your high level philosophy on this? Oh man, this is a tough one. I still yeah. don't feel good at this. I'm actually having to do this a lot now because I'm building like a production timeline for yep. the foreseeable future to shift this yep. game so i'm estimating tasks for all these every discipline and it's like mm -hmm. i don't know um i think one half of it i would say is like you you just it's more about being okay with it being a, a huge guess like mm. you just make a guess and you live with the fact that it's going to be very wrong uh like like someone just told me it's like whatever you guess it's going to be probably anywhere from 30 percent to 100 percent wrong uh, and so, but you still need to make a guess. Like yeah, because it gives you a target, yeah, like a goal to head towards, right? To start thinking about. Um, yeah. The other thing is like, you know, tracking what you have done is the best way to see what you will be doing. Um, and another way to do it is like, I mean, you can also reverse the way you're thinking about it, which isn't so much like, I don't know if this is useful for the question asker, but it's like, instead of thinking about of like, how long will this task take? more about how much time am I willing to spend on this? <laughs> and then I'm going to highly prioritize every day to get the most I can out of this, right? Mm. And then whatever I have, I have, and it took exactly as long as I said, right? And so regardless of like, it's like, okay, I'm gonna give this two days. Oh man, I better be highly prioritized because I'm just gonna have what I have in two days. And that's like, that's what mm. GDC did for us. There was like, yep. I cut, like I would say, 60% of the things oh, that yeah. I wanted to do for GDC and yep. that's okay. Like, it's just like you, you sort of treat the time as the driver rather than the, the tasks as the driver. Yeah. Natural um, selection, right? There's a bit of Darwinian yeah. uh, sort of theory going on when you're, when right. you have to ship something basically, cause it's just like, you just can't fit on all the things so you have to triage yeah. it basically. Yeah. And, and I'm actually thinking about that even in my sort of year long, you know, multi-year production timeline, 
I'm thinking about it in terms of like, where can we get the game? Because, and, and part of this is because the game is not a linear experience, it's a replayed short session-based experience. We can kind of be like, well, let's get it, like, let's, what can we call shift? You know, like, what, where can we say this game is a total experience in this amount of time? And then mm -hmm. where can we get it to, like, after, you know, months or years of iteration after the fact? So, like, it's, uh, you know, there's no magic to it. It's kind of like, it's a lot of guessing. Like, I've even gotten consultants at this point to help me who are, like, experienced in doing this stuff at huge studios. Mm -hmm. And I think... Their, their help has been very good, but it's also this validation of like, and you have to be okay guessing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, I got one last one. We're actually technically a minute over. Are you, you both okay for like a quick last yeah, yeah. question? Okay, so let's do it really fast here. Um, okay, so question here is, what code would someone need? This is actually from Scott. What code would someone need to learn to become a tech animator, if any? And uh, where can they easy, where could they easily start to learn that? So uh, just in the context of this, a technical animator is, is, I think, a separate role than like a systems animation design technically. I mean, every studio has kind of like roles. Yeah, it depends on the, the studio for sure. So I, I'm going to talk about the systems aspect of it. Like tech animator, I think there's like a bunch of stuff like Python and, and like rigging kind of things that you would know. I'm, I'm not as familiar with all of that. On the system side, it's actually, there is, you can actually do that without any coding. I would say, like, um, for me, uh, in Unity, there's a thing called Mechanim. I think it's still mm -hmm. called Mechanim. And, yeah, I think uh, so. And a third-party program called Playmaker that I used to do all my animation systems work. Um, uh, and those are, like, node-based uh, coding things. A lot of engines have some sort of node-based. Like or, Blueprint and Unreal. Yeah, exactly. Unreal is Blueprint. So learning Blueprints and Unreal would be really, really fantastic if you want to do any kind of uh, systems uh, uh, design and animation, um, because all of that would most likely be handled through blueprints um, or yeah. something like that in an engine. Uh, there's certainly places that still handle it strictly through code, but those places usually have animation systems handled by a programmer, not by an animator. Yeah. Um, True story. And so uh, uh, I guess my answer is like, you can do this without knowing any code. Now, logic you definitely need to know yeah um, unavoidable and understanding like like logic and theory and all that stuff but that's not like something that's insurmountable like uh you can um just dive in and, and kind of know that and start learning that stuff yeah it's it's interesting to note that these sort of these sort of node-based either plugins if you're talking about uni unity with mechanum um or um or built right into Unreal's blueprint. Mm. These are like it's it's almost like visual programming. It's they they mm. remove the logic still needs to be there. You need to understand flow of logic. You need to understand how to make something um, sort of performant, and you need to understand all these things. But you just the, what it removes is the need to like learn a new language. Basically, the, the syntax of a, of, a, mm. of a programming language like. Um, C plus plus or C sharp if you're dealing with Unity. Um, it, it's but you still absolutely like what uh, what Tomash was saying. It's like you're still gonna need to. It just it removes uh, an an uh, an obstacle from the path. You can start thinking logically right away and start doing things without learning that language. It almost be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But it's it's, it's it could be very liberating. But it's still not, yeah. not. It doesn't make it easy necessarily. It just removes a complication but but if you're able to figure out you know if you're coming from an animation background and you can figure out the spline editor and, and graphics yeah and yeah stuff, you can figure this stuff out it's going to look like spaghetti at first it's going to look totally. really uh, 
crazy at first, but it, you, you can figure it out. And yeah. just as a side note, what's funny about node-based programming and, and, and visual scripting and all that stuff is like, it's like this amazing thing for artists and this amazing thing for people that don't know how to code. But every single programmer I've ever talked to is like, oh, yeah. why does this exist? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is like the it's hardest so we can and make slowest spaghetti. way. Yeah, it's like I can make everything in this with like half the amount of lines oh, yeah. and way faster. Yep. And I'm like, yes, but you speak this other language. That's like, right. For me, exactly. it's like amazing to be able to just structure everything in these nodes. So it's it's always totally. funny. Something cool about Unreal is I believe that all of their node-based, like all their blueprints, can be exported as a text. It can. Like, it yeah, can. So yeah. You can but kind of work with programmers sort of most engineers way. are going to look at that and call it spaghetti code and then right, rewrite it sure. anyways but but yeah. the power the power is like i i always believe that the power here is not to try to ship a game with all that necessarily mm -hmm. but it's to, it's so you could prototype an idea really quickly because if i could mm -hmm. build something myself and then show an engineer and right. then they're like oh i get i see what you're trying to do and then they can use their powerful brain to do it in a much better, more elegant way. This right. to me is a way of bridging the gap on a, on a level of communicating with someone like a community. Like you said, we don't speak the same language, you, yeah. me and like a C++ engineer, but we can, because we both speak the same language of playing a game. So if right. I can get that in his hands, he can then, or he or, he or she or who, anybody could be playing this and be like, ah, okay. Because the nine, nine times out of 10, when I try to explain how I want the animation to work to an engineer, I'm, I'm probably not going to get what I expected uh, or at least yeah. hope for. Well, and it's and not their like, fault. It's just yeah. difficult but to explain. But also, even further than that, you might not even be able to know what you want yet. Totally. Like, because a lot Why of waste that, an engineer's time, right? Right. A lot of that systems design stuff is, it involves a lot of playing and trying things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, making games in general, there's still no better method than trial and error. It's like literally the... It's, at the, the core of everything. The top of the top. Everybody yeah. is just no trying stuff and then go, ah, crap. Okay. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. Well, we're six minutes over, so I'm going to officially call it um, mm -hmm. because I know you're both very, very busy. I want to thank you, Jacob, and you, Tomash. Thank you for being here today. It was definitely a fun topic to dig into. Um, I wish you all the luck, obviously, moving forward with this development. Thanks. And um, and for the community, I'm excited to, of course, as, as I already mentioned, um, if you just showed up now that we'll be doing some regular streams with Tomash as, as we can explore the sort of the, what it looks like in, in, in the factory, uh, as, as someone tries to build an actual game, um, right. with a very small skeleton team of yeah. him and one other person, basically. So <laughs> that I can, I can imagine the drama already. It's going to be amazing. So thank you both. And, uh, I'll see you around and, um, have a really, really great day. Both of you. Cheers. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks everybody. Um, so I, I'm going to be talking to Tomash, um, hopefully this week, um, to try to figure out what that roadmap would, would, would actually look like. And, um, and I don't think we're going to have a, like a final like version of it, but I think it's how, how we plan on starting it is going to be how it starts. Um, and, um, and then we'd like to try to add layers to it. Uh, as we move forward, we had all kinds of crazy ideas. Uh, I don't want to kind of drop them now because I don't want to like speak before, <laughs> before I can actually promise anything. I tend to tend to do that way too often, but there are some pretty cool ideas we got in the hopper here that we can actually really uh, leverage this, uh, this, this sort of backstage pass that we're going to have, um, which is a really big privilege as far as I'm concerned, because I know there's a lot of, out, a lot of you out there that really do have ideas um, and because game development is so accessible now with the visual sort of programming, like we were talking about 
just a moment ago, um, it is not inconceivable for a small group of people to put something together as we see Tomash is doing that with his wife, which is kind of amazing. Um, but also I think it's going to become more and more commonplace as we move forward in, um, in with, with, with what technology has to offer um, creators. And um, so I think it'd be really great to be able to learn from that. He's sort of navigating this sort of uncharted uh, minefield um, for us in a way. And uh, we will, uh, we'll be there to cheer him on and be, be there to console him when things are not going as well as, as he would, he would like. So, um, so stay tuned for more news on that. We plan on starting that up pretty soon, probably within the next few weeks. And um, it will make a big deal about it when it, when it goes, uh, goes live. I'm sure that Scott and I will try to blast this out on the airwaves when we're ready to go. So thanks for being here today. Um, it's always nice to see everyone in chat um, and, um, and, you know, have a really great week. I'll see, um, I'll see some people tomorrow night um, as we're streaming. And, um, and uh, then we'll see, I think there's another, there's a stream. I can't remember if it's a Monday or Friday stream next week. Let me see really quickly. Uh, is going to be it's friday that's 27th there's a big pretty big gap between the conversations um and that's with nick ladd i think i mentioned this before this is going to be a fun one because we're gonna be talking about vr but not vr as an experience um as an end user but vr as a creator because he spends uh, a lot of his time working on uh, pushing the envelope in a very new type of um, medium of animation, which is animating in uh, in a VR space using um, something. Well, he, I don't know if he's still using it, but he used Quill a lot back in the day. And, and uh, it's actually really quite impressive what people are able to do. And um, and he'll do a little demo for us and we'll kind of pick his brain a little bit as to how he got into that and maybe some tips and tricks and uh, for people who are maybe interested to try it themselves. So... Um, so yeah, hopefully I can see some of you then. Um, and um, and yeah, tomorrow night we're, we're doing another round of free animation reviews from the community. So if you're interested in having your work reviewed, you could always book an expert um, on, our, on our website, but you can also, uh, uh, there's a form floating around. If someone can actually drop that, that'd be great. Maybe that's already happened. Um, there's a forum that you can actually, um, submit your stuff to. And, uh, what we do is we just randomly pull three from that, that, that hat and we, uh, we, we get them reviewed, uh, during these, uh, these special sessions that we do every once in a while. So that's it, I guess for me, see everybody around, stay animated. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, Stay tuned and stay animated.